HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Time for Lunch podcast, and one way that Heritage Radio Network has impacted me is it has given me the opportunity to sit down and talk with hundreds of people from all over the world and different cultures, and it is always eye-opening the things that I learn and get to share on Heritage Radio Network. HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes educates, and empowers. Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member today. Thank you for your support. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. Before we introduce the theme of this episode, we have another special person behind Time for Lunch that we would love to introduce to you. Isaac Furman is an intern at Heritage Radio Network and has been helping us with some production, writing, and research work on the show And today, he is going to take us through the interview segment of the show to introduce us to an expert on today's theme. Isaac, you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here and share some stories with you and for everyone to get to know me a little bit better. We're so excited, too. So, Isaac, we have a very important question for you, for our listeners to get to know you. What is your favorite kind of ice cream? Oh, favorite kind of ice cream. That's tough. I would say it's a two-way tie between pistachio and Rocky Road. Ooh, those are like very different, but both very good. Well, I'm a very complex person. (laughs) We have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? Special guest, what shape are you? I'm long... 
thin and cylindrical. Hmm, okay. Are you grown or made? I'm made. Okay, what's your job? Well, I can be used to make all sorts of things, but basically, I make things flat. Making things flat. And what are you made of? Usually wood, but sometimes glass or ceramic. Anything heavy works well. Okay, and where can I find you? Everywhere. French bakeries, Chinese dumpling shops, Italian trattorias, and maybe even your kitchen. I think I've got it. You're a rolling pin. I have a rolling pin that belonged to my great-grandmother and has been passed down through the generations, and someday I will pass it along to my kids. And it's no ordinary rolling pin. It once was a policeman's nightstick. The story goes that my great-grandmother came to New York from her home in Hungary in the early part of the 20th century, sometime around 1904. She befriended a policeman in New York City who gave her the nightstick as a form of self-defense when she had to be out walking late at night because it was kind of dangerous. And because the stick is uniformly round and about two feet long, she realized that it made a great rolling pin, and so she used it to roll out countless doughs and breads and pastries, and a family heirloom was born. (laughs) I love that story so much. I wonder if there's anyone else in the world who has a nightstick for rolling pin. I hope so. If you do, write us a letter. Um, I have to say, I also have a history of using strange objects for rolling pins. Um, not so long ago, I was a young 20 something living in the city with a very poorly stocked kitchen and I decided I was going to make cookies and I did not have a rolling pin. So I used a bottle of sparkling water and a glass bottle and you know what? It worked okay, but I did go out and buy a rolling pin soon after that and it works much better. I have a question about that, Hannah. Was the bottle full or empty? It was empty because I figured if I used a full one, I would be shaking up my sparkling mineral water so much that when I opened it, it would explode. But maybe a full one would have been good because it would have made it heavier. It's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so listen carefully. What are the two things you need to remember for perfect pie crust? Ooh, I love pie crust. Keep an ear out for the answer. So, remember Isaac, who you met at the beginning of the episode? We are going to pass the mic over to Isaac to introduce us to an expert on rolling pins. Hi again. It's Isaac, and I'm here to share a conversation I had with Cynthia Cliff. Cynthia is an illustrator and author who created a cookbook that's perfect for this episode. It's called Pie for Breakfast. I was writing a blog um, called Pie for Breakfast, and it was about baking for children, and it had recipes, and I would draw pictures about the recipes, mostly stories about the recipes. Um, The editor at Prestel Publishing in Germany saw that and invited me or asked me if I would like to do a baking book, create a baking book for children um, that was including recipes, my own recipes and my illustrations. And of course, I said, yes, I would love to do that. It was my very first book. And um, that's how that happened. Spending a little time baking with your family is like a really special thing. And I have lots of great memories of it. 
And that's why I wanted to make a book for children um, that would give them a little, you know, some little recipes to try and some fun things to do with their family. Like the blackberry crumb cake is one that I made as a child, and that's my mother's recipe, and I really wanted to see that one in. It was the sample recipe that I made first um, and illustrated first to show them that I could do a book because I'd never made a book before. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting pretty hungry. So berries are perfect because there's no chopping or cutting. Um, and so my mother would let us make pies or cakes with berries. Um, and we also gathered the berries ourselves. There, there were wild blackberries and raspberries around our home. And that made it even more meaningful and special. That was part of our childhood was going out and gathering some food. If you pick your own um, wild raspberries and make a pie, oh my goodness, it's amazing. We had lots of farmers around us and you know, you'd wake up in the morning and there'd be like a bushel of corn on your porch or a box of apples. Um, or a basket of peaches, like it was, and then my mom and I would just be like, okay, we know what we're doing today. We're going to make apple pies. And we would eat apple pie for breakfast. <laughs> and just in case we weren't clear, I asked Cynthia to clear up once and for all if it was all right to have pie for breakfast. <laughs> pie for breakfast is like, that's one of the best breakfasts you can have. Well, be sure to check out Pie for Breakfast at your local bookstore. And now let's check back in with Hannah and Harry. Well, after all that work making pie crust, I think we should take a little break. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. 
Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to Time for Lunch. The first people to use a rolling pin were the Etruscans in what we now call Tuscany in Italy. I bet that they made some pretty good pasta. In India, they use rolling pins for rolling out flatbreads like naan and chapati. It usually comes with a matching board called a chakla. These days, you can find rolling pins in all different lengths. Small palm-sized ones are good for making dumpling wrappers, and large yardstick-sized pins are used to roll out big batches of noodles like udon. Yum. Does your rolling pin have handles that move independently from the cylinder? Mine does. That style was invented in 1879 by J.W. Reed. Rolling pins come in all kinds of materials. Glass, stone, wood, ceramic, and plastic. And don't worry if you don't have a rolling pin. Do like I did. A straight-sided bottle, like an empty wine bottle, or a Pellegrino bottle like I used, can be used in a pinch. Now, let's take a rolling pin roly-poly dance break. machine of yours working? I think it's still working. Why? I know I haven't used it in a while, but I've been trying to figure out how to make the perfect pie crust. But you know, I think we need to go back to the 1970s to figure it out. Oh, sure thing. Let me just fire it up. See you on the other side. Why do people shy away from making pie crust? This isn't all that frightening. Are there ghosts of mother or grandmother turning out light, flaky pie crusts that rival the angels? Is it that we've become so convenience food-oriented that we prefer to have our pie crust made by some machine in the depths of a food manufacturing plant? Well, this is the shameless chef. Believe me, pie crust is a snap. Oh, lordy, I've had some dismal pie crusts. They have ranged from the down-where-the-rubber-meets-the-road variety to those that resemble nothing so much as cardboard left out overnight in the rain. Further, I've heard husbands berate wives for their incapacity to make pie crust, always comparing them with those crusts of the past done by some aged female relative, and I've been known to make pie crust that would rival any of the above in sheer culinary horror. That is until I learned how simple 
how uncomplicated and how unthreatening really superior pie crust can be. I'll share my incredibly simple secret with you. I remember merely two things. Everything having to do with pie crust should be cold and handle the dough as little as possible. Now, ideally, I suppose, perfect pie crust could be made outdoors in cold weather, but such an extreme isn't necessary. Just be sure that the bowl is cold, and that the shortening, or the, the butter, is cold, that the water is cold, and that your hands as well. Yes, use only your fingertips. Your palms are too hot. Old sweaty palms. You can use two knives, or a pastry blender, or a fork if you wish. Cold also. I like using my fingertips because I get the quick feel of the dough. Then chill the completed dough before you roll it, put it in the pie pan, chill it again before adding the filling or the baking. Bake it in a hot oven, 400 degrees or so, and you have it. Now as to ingredients, consult any basic cookbook or write me here at the station, but quickly, it's easy. Pie crust is this. Two cups of sifted flour, three quarters of a cup of shortening or butter, a little salt, about three or four tablespoons full of ice water. Blend, form in a ball, chill and roll. Got it? Well, remember this above all else. Don't be intimidated by pie crust. It's only dough. Michael A. Davenport here. Some crust. Michael Davenport was the host of The Shameless Chef, which debuted in 1977 and has been re-released by Heritage Radio Network. You can listen to all of the archived episodes at heritageradionetwork.org. Okay, it's time where we celebrate a bright spot from our last week. And, you know, Isaac, I think I'm going to make you join us this week. So, it's spring. Spring is here. I feel like the world is filled with bright spots. But I'm going to go first because I have one that I'm very excited slash nervous about, which is that there's a little black and white stray kitty who looks kind of like a big, beautiful Oreo cookie who has been living in my backyard since she was a little kitten last winter. And I believe that she is now a pregnant mommy cat. And so my big mission is to make friends with her so that I can take her in and give her a safe place to have her little kitty babies. So I've been going out every day and feeding her and trying to get her to be a little bit less scared of me. So everybody cross your fingers and toes that I have some good cat energy. And if I... I'm able to bring her inside to have her babies. I'll be sure to share some pictures. Hannah, have you ever helped a mama cat before? Not a wild one. I have had a pet kitty that had babies. Um, and and when I was maybe seven or eight, and that was really exciting and very educational. Um, but I've never rescued a feral cat before. Um, so I'm asking for help from local shelters, etc. But I'm also trying to move quickly since... She looks ready to pop. Um, okay, that's my bright spot. Harry? My bright spot, uh, as you mentioned, Hannah, it is spring, which means that one of the first insects that reappears in my garden is the bumblebees. And the bumblebees are back. Let me tell you, every time I go outside, I feel like I'm being dive bombed. They like whiz past my head. And outside my office window, I have an azalea bush, which is one of the first flowers to bloom. And as soon as the azalea flowers came out, it was just covered in bumblebees. And so it's so fun to watch the bumblebees working and collecting all of the pollen from the flowers. Shout out to our pollinators. 
We love you. Keep buzzing around and doing your job. Okay, special guest Isaac, thank you so much for that awesome interview. What's your bright spot been for the last week? Well, I also started to notice it was spring when my eyes started watering and my nose started running. So thanks to all our pollinators out there for that. But the highlight of my week was another harbinger of spring, and that was Passover Seder. I ate matzo ball soup and brisket and got to see family and played some games with them. And even though I finished last in our game of telestrations, I still had a great time. So fun. Yes. Very happy Easter and Passover to all of our listeners who celebrate. I hope you got some super yummy treats this last week. At the beginning of the episode, we asked, What are the two things you need to remember for perfect pie crust? And the answer is... Everything having to do with pie crust should be cold. And handle the dough as little as possible. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch. We'll be back with more tasty stories. This show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden, with engineering by Liam Warner. Music in this episode was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our fun facts theme was created by our very own Liam Warner. Special thanks this week to our intern, Isaac Furman, who produced this episode, and to Cynthia Cliff for talking to us all about rolling pins. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is also a part of Kids Listen, the number one app for finding great podcasts for kids of all ages. You can learn more at kidslisten.org, and you can download the app from iTunes or the Google Play Store. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And hey... Hey, parents, this is me, Hannah. I'm talking to you now. I'm not talking to your kids. I want to tell you about HRN's business membership drive. So we all know that small businesses keep our communities vibrant and tasty. For just $500, HRN will shine a light on your work, and you will help to sustain our mission to expand the way people think about food. This fundraiser will support not just Time for Lunch, but all of the amazing HRN community of food podcasts. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation your business will receive on air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and so much more. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash B-I-Z to become a business member today. Thank you. Back to the kids. Please remember to stay in touch whether you have a joke you'd like to share or if you just want to tell us what you had for lunch, we love to hear from our listeners. Send us your recipes, poems, book or podcast recommendations or anything else you think we'd like. It's super easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone. Ask your favorite grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, address and age so that we can send you something in return. Time for Lunch is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. Thanks for listening. <laughs>